I'm feeling less and less like a tourist. Not to say that this place is homey, not in the slightest, but this place doesn't feel as strange anymore. Perhaps I myself am becoming less strange to this place. <laughs> Does that make me a resident then? I hope not. The people of this place, the history, the culture, may all be more important than the reason I came here in the first place. I am finding that the people who I meet and all of their stories are becoming very valuable to me. I think these stories need to be told. Last night, I received a note, conveniently slipped under my room door, from Gina, who works at the diner. She's one of the folks I met on my first day here, and she offered me one of the warmest welcomes. On that day, we spoke briefly, and she agreed to meet up later for an in-depth interview. I'm also currently borrowing her car. That's probably worth mentioning. Anyway, this note is an invitation to meet up, and I hope we get to hear her story today. I was a little surprised by the note itself. She listed multiple conditions for our meeting that I don't understand. I hope she'll elaborate the reason for these conditions, but here they are. First, she said, we must meet before 4 a.m., but after 1 a.m. This is for work hours, I guess, but still kind of strange. Secondly, she requested that I walk to our meeting place. That's inconvenient, as it's a few streets over and it'll be pitch black outside if these clouds don't clear up. Third, she doesn't want me to start recording until she tells me it's okay. Not on the way over, and she specified not to describe the location of our meeting. Lastly, Gina requested not to bring Joanna along. Gina said she would explain why at our meeting. I asked Joanna about it, and she told me that she never really got along with Gina. Maybe that's why she wasn't invited to tag along. It didn't stop her from being a little bummed about it, though. Well, with that, I'm going to head to bed a bit early, so I can be awake for one of the earliest interviews I've ever had. Alright, the recorder's on. Gina, I'd like to thank you again for meeting me and for consenting to this interview. It's my pleasure, Mr. Washington. And I'd like to thank you for meeting me under my conditions. I'm sorry if they were any trouble. It's quite alright, and please, call me Ezekiel. I must say you've picked quite an interesting place for us to meet. I won't describe it as per your instructions, but do you want to tell me how you found this place? I just found it one day while I was wandering around town. When I need to think, I like to explore different parts of the town. I stumbled across this place and found it empty. Now it's a little retreat of mine. No one really lives in this part of town, so we should be safe to talk here, free from prying eyes and ears. Is that why your conditions were so specific? To keep this little hideaway of yours safe? Exactly. Why didn't you want Joanna joining me? I'll get into that later. First, I'd like to tell you about why I came here. I think that's what you want to hear, after all. I'll also ask Ezekiel that you not interrupt me until my story is complete. It's hard for me to tell. Of course, Gina. I'm all ears. Okay. I think it's important for you to know that no one comes to this island by choice. No one who lives here actually wants to live here. It's just an enclave, a collection of misfits and outcasts. It's a last-ditch effort to have any semblance of a normal life. I think even you can understand the draw of this place, the appeal. That's why no one who lives here wants to interact with you. If anything were to happen to this place, if this town was to disappear, the townsfolk would have nowhere left to go. 
They say the founder of this town himself, Mr. Whitaker, was forced to come here and somehow curse the place in the process. I mean, he named the place Gamora. Everyone who comes here is on their last leg, and so was I when I arrived. Before then, I had a string of misfortunes. I spent five years in the state county jail, and that wasn't my first time there. Before I was locked away for that last time, I had a family, a husband, and a beautiful baby boy. When I got out, he wasn't such a baby anymore. He was just over five years old, growing like a weed under his father's care. When I got out, I tried to straighten out my life, but it's not as easy as you might think for an ex-convict. Old habits die hard, but I won't get into that. My husband at the time gave me an ultimatum. Get clean and get my life together, or he was going to leave me and try to take full custody of our son. I tried. I really did, but I had a monkey on my back, and no matter how I tried, I couldn't shake him. The court gave full custody to the father, and my son was taken away from me. I'll admit I wasn't in any shape to be the mother my son needed. Maybe he was better off without me, but that didn't stop it from hurting. The father left town soon after that. Didn't say where he was going, just said it would be better for all of us if he got away from all the painful memories I caused. I tried not to think about my broken family as time went on. I thought that would make the hurt go away. Then one day I began receiving letters and pictures at my house from my boy. I knew it was him, that scrawling script was so obvious. And I recognized his drawing in the pictures. About once a month, I would receive something from him. There was never a return address. Usually, there was just a note from him saying how he was doing, the friends he had, how he spent his days. I could also tell his father was reading them and scribbling out any bits of information that talked about where they were. I guess I'm lucky he got to send anything at all. Even when I moved into a new apartment, my son's packages found their way to me. At first, I threw them away. I was emotionally vulnerable and I couldn't take reading the letters seeing the drawings it was just really hard to accept that my son was was wanting anything to do with me but after a while I got over myself and the packages became the highlight of my life I would wait at the mailbox all day when I knew I was due for a package I would obsess over them then they stopped coming. I became frantic. I started combing all over the letters I had received, searching for anything, any clues that would tell me where they were. I was in a state for months waiting for something, anything to come from him. And finally, when I felt like I was at the end of my rope, something did. A picture drawn in crayon of a house with three stick people in front of it, labeled Mommy, Daddy, and me. When I turned it over, there was a note written on the back. It said, Come home, Mommy. We're waiting. Under it, someone had written a phone number. I, I thought it must be his father's handwriting that wrote that number. I called the number that same day. I expected my ex-husband to answer, but there was a gruff stranger on the other end of the line. 
He gave me instructions and told me to get to a certain dock in a nearby town by the end of the week. I grabbed all the cash I could, packed a bag, and made my way there. I came to this island on the same ferry that you did, and I got the same welcome. Aside from David, no one would speak to me, but I didn't care. I only wanted to find my son. I had an old picture of him, and I showed it to anyone that would look at me. The people that did speak to me told me there was a school in town, and I went there figuring someone there must know something. If my son was here, I thought, he must be going to school. I got a meeting with the principal, and I told him my story. The principal told me he knew who I was. He said I was being tested to see if I was finally ready to be a mother. I asked him what that meant and demanded he tell me where my son was. He then gave me directions to a place on an abandoned side of town. I demanded even more answers from him. He was obviously hiding something, but he only smiled and repeated the directions. Well, I had no other choice. I, I followed the directions and found the old building. When I went inside, I found my long-lost husband. He was sitting in a chair in the hallway waiting for me. He wasn't surprised to see me. When I got closer, I noticed how much he had aged since I'd last seen him. When I asked him where our boy was, he pointed to a room at the end of the hallway, and then he silently walked out of the house. I remember how much my hands were shaking when I opened the door to that room. I could hardly open the door. And then there he was, sitting on the floor playing with his toys. I called his name and he turned around with a wide smile on his face. He looked exactly the same as the last day I saw him. It was like he hadn't aged in all the years I've been away. He greeted me excitedly and wrapped his arms around me. I started crying like a baby. I asked him why he wasn't any bigger. I asked him what he had been eating. He replied, I had to stay small for you so you could come live with me. Having a daddy is boring. And that's about it. Since then, I've been here living with my son. I haven't seen his father since that day. My son hasn't aged today in about eight years. He's five years old, and I think he will be for the rest of my life. The way he walks, talks, it hasn't changed. The only time he acts differently is when he feels threatened. Sometimes I used to ask him if he planned on getting any older or what he was going to do one day when I'm gone. He'd get angry then. He'd turn into a completely different person. It's strange, but I'm happy. I'm happy I got a second chance at being a mother. All right, go ahead with your questions if you got any. Do you think your son's father left the island? Yes, I think so. I think he traded my freedom for his own. What do you mean by that? I don't know exactly. He led me here, and after I arrived, it was like he was never here. 
How do you think he found out about this place? I don't know. I think if you're desperate enough, you'll find your way here. I regret it, but I understand why he brought our son here. Does your son go to school? Not anymore. He found it boring, and the kids made fun of him when he went up to the next grade year and didn't age along with them. He just sits at home playing with his toys all day. Sometimes he wanders around the town. Are you really happy here? Of course. I couldn't be happier. I feel like my life is whole again. Now, I'm going to need to be leaving soon. My son is at home sleeping. I need to be there when he wakes up. He doesn't like it when he doesn't know where I am. All right, then. Last question. Why didn't you want Joanna to come along with me? Don't you think it's strange that nothing bad ever happens to her? Here she is, surrounded by all this drama and tragedy, and yet she never seems to fall into it. Bad things happen around her, but never directly to her. She has the best luck of all of us, and it doesn't seem fair. How can you say that? She lost both her father and mother. Joanna's father stuck his nose where it didn't belong. It's no wonder he went missing. That's what happens when people snoop around. I think something is up with Joanne and her father. And I'm going to warn you to be careful. Otherwise, you're going to end up with the same fate as him. I really need to go now. Until next time, Ezekiel. Yeah, sure. Next time. My interview with Gina gave me a lot to ponder. I began to wonder if there really is something going on with Joanna that I hadn't noticed before, or something she just refused to tell me. I'm going to confront her about it later to find out exactly why she came to me and why she's so eager to help me with my work here. Sorry to wake you up so early. I want to take a quick look through your dad's notes. What are you looking for? I want to see if you wrote anything about Gina and her son. She had a rather interesting story to tell me today. That's fine with me. I can't believe she wanted to meet you so early. Well, there ain't no rest for the wicked, they say. Yeah, I guess. Okay, let's see. Well, lucky enough, he did have a folder with her name saved here. There's only a picture file in here. That's not very promising. Before I open this, I wanted to ask you a question. Shoot. Why is it exactly that you came to meet me here when you did? I already told you, I want to leave this place, and you're my ticket out. Yeah, I remember that part, but really, Joanna, is there something you're not telling me? Apparently, Gina's ex-husband was able to leave by himself. Is there a reason you need me specifically? Gina's ex got to leave because he made a trade. What do you mean? The only reason he was able to leave is because he intentionally made Gina come to this island as a trade for himself. If a townie can lure someone here to the island, that person takes their place and the townie just leaves. Since I had nothing to do with your coming here, I can only leave with you. That still doesn't explain why you're so eager to work with me. The night I came to your room here, someone broke into my house. What? I'm pretty sure they were looking for me. The few days before that, I had the feeling I was being watched. That night, whoever it was watching me made their move. I came home from work and saw Bruno was on the edge. I brushed it off. I thought something was wrong, but I didn't let it show. I continued my regular routine. I went upstairs to take a shower, but after I got the water running, I grabbed my bag and snuck downstairs to hide. After a few minutes, I heard someone breaking into one of my windows. Bruno started growling, but I hushed him up. I watched as this figure dressed in black came in through my window and into the living room. They made their way up the stairs, and once they were out of sight, we snuck out of the house, got into my car, and I drove away. This 
is huge. Why didn't you tell me this sooner? I didn't know if I could trust you yet. I know I can't go back home, and I'm afraid to be alone. I'll do whatever it takes to leave this place as soon as possible. Can we get back to the topic at hand now? Yeah. Let's see what this picture is. It's just a picture of a kid swinging at the playground. The kid is looking directly at the camera with a hateful expression on his face. There's a caption under the photo. It reads, Changeling. Real son died on mainland. Father brought body here. Both know real son is dead. Not sure how much longer Changeling will keep charade up. Must avoid at all costs. Thanks for listening to the Gomorrah Podcast. The Gomorrah Podcast is written, voiced, and produced by R.L. Salater. If you like what you hear, leave a comment, subscribe to us on iTunes, and tell your friends about us. Look out for the next episode of the Gomorrah Podcast in two weeks. Join us again in our continuing search for rest, solitude, and meaning. Thank you.